0: Ladies and gentlemen, to the In Control Family Foundation Safe Driving Podcast. I'm joined today by Jeremy Randall. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Dan. And Jeremy is our Director of Operations. And today he's going to help us talk about Highway Driving Part Two, where our goal with your teen driver is to help them maneuver the complex highway driving environments and those higher speeds that come with it. We're still trying to have you find a multi-lane road or multi-lane highway that you can take advantage of when it's busy, when it's less busy. We want to start when it's less busy, kind of work our way up to try different things under different weather conditions and different driving environments. But
1: let's jump right in here to lesson one, Jeremy. So in lesson one, we're talking about steering technique. And as an experienced driver, you just get used to driving at these different speeds. And you know that the faster you're going, less of a steering input can, can make a really big difference. So when you think about something, or actually pay attention to this next time you're on the highway and you're going to change lanes or even merge, try to notice how little you actually move the steering wheel and how much of a change you can actually get from it. For a new driver, first couple times going on the highway, they tend to oversteer. They change lanes very quickly because they're used to putting bigger steering inputs in. So have that conversation ahead of time, model it first, point it out next time you're on the road, even if you're not quite too highway driving yet. And, and let them see how little steering input actually makes a really large difference. And then just make sure they work on that, right? I mean, lane changes should be done over, you know, if you're at highway speeds, you're talking about uh, lane change that should take a couple seconds, which means that's a couple hundred feet you potentially travel. And so make sure that they're nice and smooth, right? You're not trying to hang out over two lanes very long, but it should, shouldn't be you aggressively changing lanes either. And so just reminding them about how gentle and, and smooth you need to be on the highway is really important. And that can also come up when we talk a little bit later about some other skill sets you need to know, like uh, you know emergency driving, like what if something was to happen? How do you handle it? It's really important to understand that just turning the wheel aggressively at highway speeds is a very, very dangerous thing to do. We want to have those conversations and really try driving, uh, excuse me, steering very smoothly from lane to lane during merging and uh, lane changes, which is happens to be lesson two. You know, when we talk about lane changing in general, changing lanes is more dangerous than staying in a lane. And so we do want to have a conversation that over the course of a driving career, you should generally try to pick a safe lane and stay in it as long as you safely can. So th- that is some a conversation certainly to have. But during a you know driving lesson that you're going to be doing uh, with your new driver, it is important to make sure that they get good at lane changes so they can do it safely for the rest of their life so let's talk about what these lanes actually are for a moment the far right lane on any highway whether it's a two lane or a three lane or eight lane highway depending on the city you're in the right lane is a traveling lane and it's one that's going to be a pretty safe option for you on many roads the reason i say many roads and not all roads a lot of highways in very congested areas might have a lot of on and off ramps, and you're going to be constantly being merged with. And that was the whole idea that we were mentioning. You know, it's not as safe. The more activity going on, people crossing that lane, or any more times you have to move, it's not necessarily safer. Driving in a straight line at a consistent speed is a pretty safe bet. So if you are in a far right lane on a very busy stretch of highway, then actually moving over one adjacent lane to your left, so if it's a three-lane road, now we're talking about the middle lane, is going to be a, a, a little bit of a safer option for you. Now, in many states, this is the main traveling lane that you're generally encouraged to be in, and, and in control feels that this is, even in Massachusetts, a very safe lane for you to be in. But it is interesting to point out that in Massachusetts specifically, I think it's even this way in a couple other states where the middle lane... Or the lane to the immediate adjacent to the left of the right hand lane is actually a passing lane. And so legally, you're not supposed to just sit there and travel. But in Massachusetts, it tends to be a pretty safe place for you to be. And obviously, most other places as well. But my point is to say it's a pretty safe place for you to be. And you generally will be passing some cars there. But we want to make sure we're aware of the law as well. Now, the left lane or the far left lane on any road and the further left you go becomes more and more passing lanes only, right? So if you're on a three lane road and you're in that left-hand lane, you're in that passing lane. Let me make sure I say passing lane, not a fast lane. You're in the passing lane. You need to be passing cars there, but not exceeding the speed limit. And in most states, it's actually passing three cars before you're actually supposed to get back out of that lane. So you can't just hang on and drive as fast as you want in that lane. Say, oh, it's a fast lane. It's a passing lane. I'm okay here. It's not a traveling lane. You're only supposed to be allowed to pass three cars there before you're supposed to reestablish yourself in a traveling lane. And then you're not supposed to exceed the speed limit there, right? The speed limit is the limit you can go. And so it's good to clear that stuff up and make sure it's clear with your young driver because there are many states where that's becoming a much larger concentration. Like uh, police are pulling people over a lot more for traveling in the left-hand lane. And there are some states where they've been doing it forever. And we do want to get out of that habit. It, it does tend to impede traffic. And one of the laws is if, if there is somebody, you're in the left-hand lane and somebody's tailgating you there, it's, the responsibility probably falls on you. They might be trying to speed and go faster, but that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to not impede the flow of traffic. And so we want to make sure, basically follow the rule, stay right and less passing. That's going to be a pretty good idea overall. Now, Dan, you, you do you agree with me that the middle lane, even in Massachusetts, is a pretty safe place for especially newer drivers to be? They don't have to deal with merging traffic. They're not impeding the flow of traffic. My
0: recommendation for new drivers and drivers of all experience levels is in a three-lane highway, if you can give, pay, park yourself in that middle lane, you're traveling at the flow of traffic. You're not impeding other people. It, the treating it like a passing lane seems like a bit much to me. But I will say, if you're in a, a situation like you're on the mass turnpike and it's 20 miles between exits, staying in the right-hand lane may make more sense and using those other lanes for passing lanes as they're supposed to be set up. And it depends on how much traffic you have and everything else. But if you have to keep moving into the middle lane to get out of the way of cars, entering and exiting the highway, I think it would make a lot more sense just to find yourself parked there. And I'll add, since I mentioned the term flow of traffic, you know that has been one of the bigger conversations when I've been in traditional driving ed classes, when I've worked with my own kids and just talking with other parents who know what I do. You know, I tend to encourage drivers within reason. I mean, if there's four cars on the road and three of them are drag racing, you don't need to do 100 miles an hour. But you don't necessarily want to be in the right-hand lane doing 54 miles an hour when the maximum speed limit is 55 if everybody else is doing 60. I'm not looking for people to go way over the speed limit because we've talked to you about how easy it is to lose control. But there is a a situation in the highway driving where – If you're going under the speed limit, it can actually put you in a little bit more risk.
1: Yeah, Dan, I I couldn't agree more. You know, and a a really simple way for me to always think about it is the flow of traffic is important, but you don't have to be on the higher side of the flow. You can be on the lower side. You just don't want to be drastically different from everybody else. There are certain highways that I'm familiar with where the speed limit all of a sudden drops to 45, but everybody else is still going 80 potentially. You don't want to be going 80 there, but you also don't want to be going 45 there, if that makes sense, right? There's going to be something in the middle that's going to be a safe option for you. And and that's sort of what you want to find and and try to talk through with your your young driver.
0: Jeremy, I'll just add all these driving speed related things are relative to weather, what vehicle you're driving, all the stuff we've talked about before, what you're going to have to... Throw at this new driver is a lot of different decision making points that allow them to decide, you know, what the safe flow of traffic speed is for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, think about the speed limit not as the speed you're supposed to go, but the maximum speed you can go. I I say that, and then we just mentioned that you do want to go with the flow of traffic, but that's going to be when when you can, when other people are going around the same speed. That's an ideal um, top mark to try to aim for. Generally, in most driving, when conditions change, you change the vehicle you're in, going slower is often going to be the right answer. And I, I think in this podcast, when we talk about highway driving, though, the, the message both of us are trying to get across is that you just don't want the, the difference between the people, the average speed on the road and your speed to be drastically different. The danger on the highway is people going very different speeds. The closer you are to the flow of traffic, even if it's on the slower end the safer you're going to be overall there. So as we get into lesson three, we want to talk about proper following distance. And we really want to follow the three second rule. So in driver's ed, when I took driver's ed, they told me to follow one car length per 10 miles an hour. And then my father was talking to me about, um, okay, uh, you know, how many telephone poles potentially I should leave between me and the car in front of me, things along those lines. The problem with any of that, that deals with a certain kind of linear space, the length of a car, the length of a between telephone poles. The problem is that doesn't really work with the way our cars deal with stopping. So if I was to go 30 miles an hour and have to stop in the shortest distance I can, maybe it takes me 30 feet. But if I go 40 miles an hour and I have to hit the brakes and stop in the shortest distance, it's not going to be 40 feet. That would be that linear relationship. And then uh, car links or telephone poles or whatever you wanted to use there would probably work pretty well. The problem is your stopping distance, the faster you go, it can take you exponentially further to stop with every mile per hour you add. So a good way of thinking about it, right, that 30 miles an hour, maybe it is 30 feet but the 40 miles an hour is actually now 50 feet to stop. It went up by a larger margin every time you added a little bit of speed. And so we need something that's gonna work the same way. And so using time, it has that same basic relationship. If I'm going 10 miles an hour and I leave three seconds in front of me, it's not very much space at 10 miles an hour, but luckily I'm not going very fast, so I don't need a ton of space to be able to stop in that distance. If I'm going on the highway at 65 miles an hour, three seconds is a lot more space but that's because I need a lot more space, right? You're talking about potentially at, at 65 miles an hour, almost 300 feet of space I need in front of me. Now, here's the problem. Maybe you live in a busy area. You live in um, the Boston area and you're on these these common roads in this area where really cars get packed on there. It can be really, really difficult to leave three seconds successfully all the time, or at least we think it's going to be really hard. If we follow that that first kind of being in the proper lane conversation we were having before, right? staying more in the, the middle lane and the right-hand lane than the left-hand lane, you're going to be able to do this a lot more often than you might think. So let me first break down how you actually determine how many seconds you are behind a car, and then actually talk about what those three seconds stand for and what else we can do to make ourselves safe there. So Here's how you would determine how much time there is between you and the car in front of you. I'm sure you probably already know how to do this, but you would look at the car in front of you and try to find something that's in front of them that's stationary. There's a paint mark on the ground. There's a tree on the side of the road. There's a mile marker or a bridge abutment. As the car in front of you passes that object, you start counting and you try to use honest time and then you simply stop counting when your front bumper reaches that same object. OK, so you count out, OK, one Mississippi or one one thousand, one one hundred and you count that out. And by the time you get to three, oh, OK, good. If your bumper hasn't passed it or is just passing it, you're probably pretty good now. And, you know, you have a, a safe following distance between you and the car in front of you. Now, those three seconds, just to break them down real quick, because this is something we've talked about earlier. We have one second for differences in vehicles, one second for reaction time and one second for potential distractions we might have. So if we really are distraction free and the road is a a really busy road, there's a lot of people on it and it's really hard for you to leave three seconds, you can go down to two by getting rid of your distraction second and you are still safe here as long as you know what to do, you know how to hit the brake pedal in an emergency to get the car stopped and you're paying attention. So I just want to make sure I point that out there. And keep in mind when cars, if you're in the middle lane in a car from the right-hand lane that just entered the highway pulls in front of you and they're going to go ahead and stay there, then it's just easing your foot off the throttle for a little bit of time and then going right back to the same speed as everybody else, and you can leave that extra second or two there. So if somebody takes a second of your space, you just leave an extra second. How long did it take you to get where you're going? How much longer? A second. It's not a big deal. And so this is something we can definitely do, and we want to make sure we instill in our new driver. It's, It's worth going over twice for that reason alone.
0: And one thing I would tell parents, I find that as you get into conversation with your new driver, they start to lose track of that three seconds. And so I try to stay very, you know, these highway drives, hopefully you're taking a few of them that are more than a half hour and you're starting to have some conversation outside of just driving the vehicle and try to do some natural things you would do in the vehicle. And I often notice that the space between the vehicle and the car in front of us starts to get a little closer to two and a half. And usually I'll let it go a little bit, see how they react, and then just mention, hey, you need to back off a little bit and go back to our conversation. You want to make sure that you're pointing out that they've lost track of it. You don't want to let it go unsaid, but at the same time, give them a chance to correct themselves and see how they do from there.
1: I think that's a great tip, Dan. And I think that especially pointing out to them that this conversation maybe took a little bit of their attention away from this and, and pointing that part of it out is really helpful. It wasn't that they were trying to do it on purpose. You're not accusing them of anything. You're trying to help them learn that because that's a reality of driving. Distracted drivers drive much closer. They tend to tailgate the cars in front of them. So, um, you know, talking about challenging road conditions, lesson four here in, in skill 12, you know, we talked about this a bit already. When we talk about speed limits, that's the limit you can go in in perfect conditions, daytime, the average car, one or two people in the vehicle, that sort of thing. And if anything changes from those perfect conditions, if we get wet weather, if we get fog, if it's at night, then we should be reducing our speed. And we should make sure that we're aware of that. And we do want you, as your driver is ready, to go out in the rain on the highway because it's got some it's condition, the situation they're going to be in in the real world once they get their license. And in many different conditions, even snow, eventually, to a degree, right? I, you know, I encourage people if it's really snowing, I don't want you driving really at all. But I, if they're going to be out there in their life, they should have an experience with you being near them to help them and coach them. But maybe not take uh, you know a trip when it's you know at that most dangerous time or or it's overly icy or anything like that. The last part here in lesson five is talking about road trips. So getting a longer Drive under their belt, and ideally a, a couple of those at least. And so, consider planning that short day trip to a destination. And, and Dan and I were talking before this podcast. If you live in the Northeast, maybe consider coming out to to In Control and hanging out with us and, and learn some crash prevention skills. But if, if it's going to be anything over a two hour drive, on a for a permitted driver is a lot. Just just understand that driving properly, driving engaged, is extremely mentally taxing. And so, you know, as experienced drivers, we can handle it much better than somebody who's just learning. And so take breaks, right? Don't be afraid to say, all right, you're going to drive the first hour and then I'll drive the second hour and then you guys can switch off. And as they get more used to this type of travel and they're doing a really good job with it, extend that a bit. But I don't care who you are. If you're driving across the country, I never encourage you to drive for, for more than really four, four to six hours straight. And depending on who you are, how much experience you have, how used to that you are, those sort of things, because it is so mentally taxing and tiring, you're going to start making mistakes. And then just the fact that you're sitting still and not moving can cause problems. We've mentioned this before, driving drowsy, right? Um, You will get tired sitting still that long. And so don't be afraid to take breaks too, especially early on in the process.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, I I think... One of the great things about a longer road trip with a new driver is repetition is learning. So doing this stuff over and over again is really helpful. And if you're doing a job right, your new driver is going to be a better driver than you are. I mean, I don't know that many people in my age group who are really good about just having their hands at nine and three. I mean, a lot of us learned a different hand position and maybe it wasn't emphasized that it shouldn't be your hand at 12 and the radio turned way up and your seat lean in way back. And so if you're kind of actively working with them and then taking them on longer trips where they're practicing the three second rule, they're hovering their foot over the brake pedal in the right situations. They're, Uh, putting their their hands at nine and three and they're just collectively putting all this stuff together it's just really great practice for a lot of the things they're going to need to do and i'd make these road trips they don't have to be straight highway the entire time you know have a destination that takes you off the highway so you can mix some things up a little bit but i think it's a really good experience i just want to emphasize too different states have different learner's permit requirements so our expectation for all this stuff is that you're driving on a learner's permit with your new driver in some states they don't even require a learner's permit you just have to be a certain age and so therefore you really want to look at what your neighboring states require and there's plenty of websites you can find we'll try and put a link up to something to help you there but ultimately just don't find yourself driving and i say this from experience i drove to pennsylvania for i believe a funeral when i was 16 years old and when we returned we found out that my license was only valid in massachusetts or my permit was only valid in massachusetts so you know we weren't always the smartest people on the block back in the day, but today I'd rather not see you get yourself into trouble and find yourself in a state doing something you shouldn't have been doing, get pulled over and find out they weren't actually even licensed to be driving there. And finally, the last piece I think I want to take right out of the guide here is talking about instructions focused, you know, early on a lot of our instruction that we were encouraging you to work with on your team was how to control the vehicle and vehicle handling in general. Now we really just want to see you, introducing the higher learning concepts, scanning the road ahead, hazard detection, anticipating the behavior of other drivers. These are things that we've talked about, but they're going to come at them a lot faster now. And you're going to want them to do the thought process instead of you. You were pointing these things out previously. Now we really want you to be saying, what do you see? Tell me about what you think about different drive t-. Point out to me when you see somebody who you think is texting and driving, because That's going to happen all day long on our roads, unfortunately. They are going to see drivers doing things that they know are dangerous. So start to have them point them out to you so that you can benefit from that knowledge and and they can benefit from finding it on their own.
1: That uh, anticipating other drivers' behavior is a huge part of it. And we take for granted sometimes as experienced drivers how much we actually use that skill, that we've seen this many times before and here's often the result. When you're driving with a new driver, you're going to discover all kinds of things that you've just never verbalized before or sort of identified or pointed out even in your own head that all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I should point this out. There's no, how would he possibly know that or how would she possibly know that? And so just kind of be cognizant of that. And whenever there's something that's like, seems very unique that you realize, oh yeah, if that person starts to veer over to my lane and then stops, there's a good chance in a moment, they're going to try to change lanes. They were looking that way in their mirror and started veering that way. It's not something a new driver's going to know. I think I pointed that one out before. But there's many of those like that, that as experienced drivers, we can identify they're not going to have and make sure you can point them out when you can. And like Dan said, though, as they get better and better, have them start to do the same thing back to you.
0: Well, Jeremy, I really appreciate your time today. And I think we did a good job of covering highway driving. For those of you joining us, thank you again. And we look forward to you hearing us again soon.